Welcome to Entertainment Marketing Confidential, a podcast where we talk about all things related to entertainment and brands. We're your hosts. I'm Daphne. I'm Craig. And as always, we are joined by our producer, Eric. Hello, reporting live from beautiful Mariposa, California. What? <laughs> what, you like what are you doing it? up there? Uh, you know, just catching some sun, just being in nature, avoiding the uh, avoiding the uh, the pollen. I don't see <laughs> the people as well. How bad is the pollen up there? It's actually right? not that bad. No, it's not that bad. It's I bad. Just, uh, you're saying July? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we are talking, you know, speaking of travel and sneezing, um, you know, over the past. <laughs> mostly <laughs> sneezing. Yeah, mostly sneezing. Uh, what? <laughs> You know, <laughs> sorry, everybody. So we spend a lot of time talking about our careers, our day to day and some of the unique experiences we've had. Um, we go to film sets. We meet celebrities. We you know, some people have to go to meetings downtown at some horrible building. We get to go to some of the most famous movie studios in the world. Heck, we've worked at famous studios, you know, between the events, the premieres. And as we've touched upon, we travel a lot. Um, I think we've painted a pretty inaccurate, glamorous picture of entertainment marketing. Um, I agree. Right? And don't get me (laughs) wrong. I mean, when it comes to careers, I wouldn't change mine for the world. Okay, maybe independent billionaire um, of cash, uh, money, uh, dollars after taxes. But, you know... For somebody, you know, who likes marketing, who likes people, who's so passionate about movies, etc. To me, it's a fabulous career. But, you know, sometimes it's not as fabulous as it sounds. Um, so, you know, why we are grounded, you know, from travel for a bit. I mean, Craig, I could feel him celebrating through the ethers that he doesn't have to go anywhere. Um, we just want to talk about some of those experiences. <laughs> behind feel that? The real, uh, <laughs> I feel the like Darth Vader, like like remote choke <laughs> or whatever that's called. What's that called? Force, force I, think it's the, I think it's the remote choke. I think that's what <laughs> Lucas coined. What's that called? With Darth Vader. Force, force choke. The force grip or force choke? Force grip. Yeah, something force. Yeah, what I think I the force is involved. Choke? <laughs> what did I call it? <laughs> I don't remember. It, that was so long ago. Like uh, Force grasp. <laughs> Call it the. What I call it? The remote joke? I don't know. <laughs> remote right. joke. That, that's what that's what happens when you hold the remote in your hand a little too high, and you gotta, I know, and then I'm eating chips and shit goes south. Yeah. Um, so. I didn't mean that kind of high. This is getting not safe for this is getting not safe for work. All I know is okay. <laughs> um, so Eric, anyway, we're still staying after seventy days. Okay, I didn't hear. I didn't understand either of you. What? <laughs> I didn't say anything. Remote joke. Um, life at the studio. So Craig and I started our. <laughs> this is so bad. Back on point, people. So we started our careers working at studios. Now, Craig, when you were at the studio, were you on a, like, you worked on a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. I worked on a lot. Yeah, I was at, uh, can I say where I was at? I can't remember. Well, we all know you're Warner Brothers. <laughs> yeah, okay. 
that's where I was at. <laughs> yeah, well, there was two lots. There was the main lot, and then I was on what was called the ranch lot, where they had like a neighborhood set. There was a lot of older things that had shot over there, primarily TV, and um, so that's where I was based. But I would always travel to the main lot. Yeah. But see, well. I think that's super exciting. You know, for those of us who are passionate about entertainment, you think about the history of all the things ever that shot at Warner Brothers and some of the, you know, their iconic films. So to me, the history, the energy, whenever I'd have to go to the ranch and see Craig or when I was at Sony, there's always so much really cool fucking activity on the lot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's it was always kind of fun because it reminded me that I was a fan or a movie lover first. You know, when you're working, you're working. You're not there, you know, you're there to do a job and so is everyone else attached to the film. But, you know, I remember when I was at Sony and just across from our bungalow, we had this huge soundstage that fit a 747. So like Air Force One shot right there. Jerry Maguire, boom, right there. Oh, guess what was over down there? Congo. And, you know, you think I know Will Smith. So to me, it was so much fun. Like, you know, you have a meeting, you have this do, you're trying to help your boss, you have like your day-to-day work stuff. But as you're walking around, you know, it's kind of like, um, like whenever you see a movie kind of that kind of runs through a lot and you see all the crazy stuff, like there's one time at Sony, like there was like, you know, Santa's elves, a sleigh, and then something that looked like Big Bird, and I don't know. And then you go by the Jeopardy lot, and you're like, what was that bullshit? <laughs> you know, it's so random. But, you know, for me and my person, like, I thought it was so exciting. You know, and if you're going to go to a meeting, I remember my boss and I, um, we were in the Thalberg building, and we got in the elevator. And we were supposed to go to a meeting on the top floor. But I was so distracted because Muhammad Ali got in the elevator. <laughs> I have no idea what floor. And the thing is, I was the assistant. So I can't even hit the button. I just stand there and just stare. And I'm like, how do I start talking to this guy? So chit chat. And then we get off on whatever floor and the doors close. And I just look up at my boss. I'm like, I am so sorry. And he goes, that was Muhammad Ali. So we were <laughs> just like, so to me, it was those moments, you know, seeing Mel Brooks in the commissary, seeing, you know, and like I was in line to buy awesome. Antonio Banderas. Like it was just, I don't know. I, it was that it reminded me why we do what we do, that magic of entertainment. You know, sometimes we get bogged down and, you know, we talk about client stuff or whatever mm-hmm. meetings or whatever struggles, but those little glimpses, you know, and I really felt that, at the studio or so that's you know, where the that's where the glamour comes in right i would say that's definitely it's you know where you have a meeting and then you go over to you know disney studios and it's you know as you drive by you see the building with you know the seven dwarfs on it and you think oh my god Walt disney worked here and i love those yeah. moments you know or you walk by you know, you're somewhere and you see Steven Spielberg's bungalow at Universal. And I think remembering what it's like to be enthralled by all of this kind of is what keeps our jobs interesting. I mean, you got to think, that, my God, you literally work next to the set of Gilmore Girls. That's exciting. You know, I didn't realize that until just now. So. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> who those women were. Huh. Well, I. Not so fast. <laughs> well, 
Yeah, where I where I was at was pretty cool. There was a lot of a lot of history on the ranch lot. I mean, the they shot the Waltons over there, Fantasy Island. Uh, the Fountain from Friends was right around the corner from our hmm. our building. Um, they shot uh, they had the street where they shot uh, the Lethal Weapon films, where Danny Glover's family lived, and then they used the same street for the Griswold House and Christmas Vacation. Uh, I think Small Soldiers was shot over there. They shot part of American Beauty on that lot, too. So, I mean, there was a lot of cool stuff. They had a couple sound stages. Um, but, uh, you know, going to the main lot was great, too. You walk around on the back lot, say, you used to have an old western town that had been used for years and years and years that they unfortunately got rid of at some point while I was there because it had just, you know, wasn't being used as much. But, I mean, yeah, it was, it was awesome. You get to hmm. see these different stages where all these classic films and shows were had been shot. And, yeah, it just made you feel like you were, yeah, walking through a lot of Hollywood history there. And especially your studio. Um, I've had the opportunity of taking officially the Warner Brothers tour with clients and mm-hmm. the way sound stages are labeled you know these are all the things that shot here so it's you know i mean it's just decades and decades of, of iconic shows and films and oh yeah yeah we, we were over there for um so we had some clients from china and you know my boss at the time was concerned you know you know are they gonna understand you know sort of like do they know all these references that of warner brothers Oh, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. you get into that prop warehouse and the set of Dave, an American president. Like, you know, it's all these really cool just pieces from movies. And I swear, if we ever interview my old boss, I hope this is in the top 10 of his favorite Daphne moments. He <laughs> He's going through this prop warehouse with a client and you hear me scream, Oh my God! It's the mailbox from the bridges of Madison County. <laughs> so <laughs> random. <laughs> He's like, "What?" I go, "You don't understand. That's like the top of my bucket list is going to the bridges of Madison County." <laughs> Those are the things people remember, and that's but that part is fun. That part is magical. And mm-hmm. whenever you have a meeting and you have that as the backdrop, I mean, I don't know. I just think things go so much more smooth because you're kind of caught up in the magic. And oh yeah. Definitely. And they have a nice museum. I mean, it's changed over the years, but I always like going in there. They used to have uh, the original Maltese Falcon prop from the film and uh, the Oscar statuette from the jazz singer uh, that that they won for uh, their achievement in sound from the late 20s. I mean, you know, the little miniature, some of the miniatures from the original Blade Runner, you know, so you could see how detailed these things were. And they actually shot those in the film. And you watch the film today, you can't even tell those were miniatures. It looks so good. So, yeah, lots of things like that. And, you know, the iconic sound stages and, you know, even um, the names that they, they give these stages from famous people. Um, yeah. And passes. Yeah, it's just nice to walk around. You just sort of take it all in. And for those who coming to town and want to take a studio tour um on the warner brothers tour they also have a museum um now it's very very heavy harry potter but mm. i don't know what, what why is that I, I think warner brothers produced it i'm not sure yeah they did oh that should be our segue to life on the road um anyway before i change topics in the museum so for a while it would be like a key costume etc and one of my favorite things is um, the Lacoste polo from Syriana that George Clooney wore, that outfit change was in the museum. And I was really mm. proud of that. Like, oh, cool. Very that cool. 
Speaking yeah. of costumes in the museum, I, I believe they had a costume from Casablanca in there, which I noticed when I went on the tour. That was awesome. I'm curious. I think a lot of that's gone because now it's very, very heavy um, DC Harry Potter. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, man. The DC, I, I hope there's not a lot of like the current DC movie stuff there because that's, I don't know if anyone cares about that. <laughs> time, like, time will tell eric time will tell <laughs> i think it's already told i think the story's <laughs> over i shouldn't be laughing but <laughs> harry potter's a good segue because i'm not sure how why i agreed to the trade was i'll watch all the harry potters while traveling if craig would watch the hunger games that mm-hmm. was before i knew there's oh, like what, that's... five harry potter movies there's like eight yeah, yeah, there's eight and there's four. Yeah, you got the you got the good deal, Craig. There's only four Hunger Games ones. Well, I mean, those those, those flights are long, so it wasn't that bad. And you know, we had a lot of we had some downtime. So yeah, between it took Plus me good movies. Yeah, it took me some flights. <laughs> took me some time in China. And then when I got home to continue, you know, so that takes us to life on the road. You know, why do we travel? Um, well, travel's fun if you ask Daphne, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of reasons. Um, when it comes to entertainment marketing, you actually go visit your client. Clients could be based in Munich. They could be in Madrid. They could be in Tokyo. Um, you have a meeting. You go. Um, there's an event. Event in New York. Event in Frankfurt. You go. Um, visiting set. You know, projects shoot everywhere. And sometimes you need to be on set, either with a client, either with a product, um, and you could also then visit other offices. You go, you go if you have to go. I mean, I mean, there's reasons to go. So you go for those reasons and going is good. <laughs> and I'm going to reach through this camera and just punch you with your Zevia. <laughs> no, no, you got to remote choke him. You got to remote choke him. That's what, yeah. that's what we set up. <laughs> Remote joke. You know, I have to say, though, you know, as a profession, I highly re- recommend it. But we joke that not all that glitters is gold. So, <laughs> for example, speaking of Frankfurt, I had a client event. You know, I had to fly business class to escort a celebrity for this event, which, okay, not the worst job. It was an amazing opportunity. I mean, it really was. I mean, just to have that experience. But the tough part was from the time I left my house until the time I returned, I was on the ground, not even 30 hours. (laughs) I was back within, I literally left. I, I, I went to bed. I woke up. I went to bed. I left. Like it was, it was crazy. Hmm. Um, I ain't going to lie. That's still, I mean, I have to say, I think I come alive when I have crazy, stupid travel. Like, um, Mm -hmm. I was on a film where I, I remember waking up one day and then by nine 30, I already had my flight and I was leaving for new Orleans and it wasn't like the first time my trip was planned. And then after that was one day I woke up by dinner time. I was at NASA outside mm-hmm. new Orleans. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> but <laughs> it was so random. It, 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 it's, you know, but God, it couldn't have been more fun. I mean, I love that shit. And then that same film took me back and forth to Argentina. There was one week a couple of years ago, I flew in from Argentina. I was in LA for a couple of days. Then I flew to London, Geneva, had to go to Zurich for a meeting, went to Paris and then back to LA in about 10 days. Oof. Oh, 
I go like that's Daphne at her best, and I could. I, feel I lost you at Argentina. Her. Where where'd you go after that? <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it's you know that is the glamorous part. Um, you know, but on another one, I had to go to Hungary and instead of flying direct or change once, I had to change planes twice, which princess problems. I'll take it. Um, that's, the last, that's the last glamorous side when you have to change planes twice. Side. One of my favorites <laughs> is I had to go to Canada. And when I arrived on set, transportation drove me out to set, which is literally the side of a road in Canada in February with about six to 10 feet of snow. Mm. And I was left in a snowdrift. <laughs> Thank God I had my gear. I was testing my gear for Everest. So I was able to try out my socks and my jacket. And then that same trip, it's 2 a.m. And I'm in some gas station garage and it's cold. Now, at this point in my life, I could look back and go, I've slept on a glacier at 17,000 feet. And holy shit, Montreal, what the fuck was going on that night? It was freezing. <laughs> so, you know, again, all these are sort of... <sighs> you know, princess problems, but take the, you know, the fatigue and all this and now realize you have to work. And not only do you have to work, you have to have your A game. Um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's tough enough having a job at home, <laughs> try doing it with no sleep, no internet, no food, um, crazy production schedules, cranky client and cranky talent. Um, it's tough. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's I I understand that some sometimes it can be tough, but also that's kind of the fun part is that you know in in this industry every project's different, so you're dealing with different hurdles and different yeah. people in different locations, and so yeah, it's it's kind of it can keep you guessing, but it always stays fresh just because every everything changes on every project. So, and that's kind of you know what makes it great, and what's kind of tough is when you go to set in sort of these remote locations you're you're kind of a nuisance you know production's there to do a job they're there to get a shot they're there to tell their story they're there to do what they have to do and you're just one extra headache <laughs> you know you show up and you know your priority you know from where i sit my priority is the client is the product being used the way it's supposed to are we getting the shots we're supposed to is there anything disparaging being said about the product because i've had things where i had the cans on and you could hear them describe um the product wrong and i'm like oh shit now imagine telling a director an a-list talent in the first ad and the producer you can't say that so you sort of you know it's important to be flexible you should be appreciative you should be considerate you should be professional have a sense of humor but you also have to remember you're not on vacation you're still there doing a job how did you put that when you're talking to those people you say you're doing it wrong or no, I put like hey, Spielberg, listen to me. What you do is you go to your, I mean, who's your point of contact? I went to the UPM first mm -hmm. and probably 30 seconds later, I had the producer and the two directors going, okay. And the screenwriter, how would you describe this product? So you better know your product when you go to set, you better mm -hmm. know how it works, know the ins and outs. You better know the history, better know how to describe it. And I remember, you know, just prepping before I went to set, because if you're there and you think, ooh, I get to watch, you know, X actor shoot a film and, you know, you're still there doing a job and you need to be prepared. And if you're not, you think, was it cost to shoot a minute of film? If I wasn't there and ready, that wouldn't have been good for production. That wouldn't have been good for the brand either. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. So anyway, I mean, it, it's <laughs> I'm like, I still want to go hashtag best job in the world, <laughs> you know, but you know, even for, you know, brands looking at this space, you think, okay, I want to go do X film or I want to do a TV show. You know, I don't know. Well, one, I mean, I don't know if they need to even care because that's why you hire a good agency to do this for you. But, you know, when we want to do something or we propose a project, I mean, it affects imagine what the client has to do to get a prototype made or mm. something in line at production, you know, the hoops, you know, a brand, what they have to do to get me the product I need. Mm. You know, that's not an easy undertaking either. Meanwhile, you have a production, you know, I mean, between talent director, you know, customs, you know, how do we make a placement happen? And part of why we're talking about what we're talking about today, you know, when you see, you know, that car in a film, or you see this actress, you know, wearing the earrings, it really, really, really takes a lot of manpower. One of the films I mentioned, the necklace I needed, there was one. That necklace was in, was it Macaw? They had to send a helicopter for it. It (laughs) helicoptered to Hong Kong. Then it flew to me. Okay. And then it had to go past me with security. And then I had to meet it in new Orleans, like this necklace. And then I've seen it with cars where the cars like for the PR auto show circuit, it has a schedule. So when you have these museum pieces, you know, the sacrifices, you know, the PR department and a brand has to make, but it's so worth it. Cause I remember there was one thing where I literally landed and production was waiting for me at the airport. Like I'm, you know, the president of the United States. So they throw me in a car because time is money. So then they have to, you know, get me to set as quickly as possible. And it was amazing because you kind of feel really, really important. It's like, I'm not important. What's in my, you know, carry on is, and it's always something like a phone. Like it's not, (laughs) you know, something crazy high value. And sometimes it is, but I don't know, but all this stuff, there was one time I flew in and I had something of value. And then I had a colleague waiting at the curb at LAX because the second I cleared, I handed it to her. Then she went and locked it up. So that's always kind of fun. <laughs> Question for you, Daphne, since we're talking about the glamorous side of things or the not so glamorous side of things. And, you know, we both were at studios, but you've been with an agency on the brand side for a while, too. So what is it like when a brand wants to go to the set of a project? Because I know a lot of brands, you know, find Hollywood glamorous and that's a big, that that becomes a big ask a lot of times when you're working with a brand and they want to visit the set because their product is going to be on set for where I was at the studio. That was more of a, a question for the producers. But when you represent a brand that wants to do that and you're working with the studio to try to make that happen, do you find that that's easy? Do you find that that's something brands should keep in mind that it's not a normal thing that happens or that it's, it's, I don't know. I'm just trying to get a sense of, you know, people it's a really good question from the outside, people look at Hollywood and movies and film and TV and they, you know, it, it does have a certain luster to it, but when you're in it, you know, when you're working in it, you, is that something you manage with, with brands that you've worked with in the past, as far as just tempering those expectations? I think, you know, first and foremost, production needs to do what production needs to do. Now, depending on the film, because you have a small independent, you have a more typical film, and then you have the huge blockbusters with a giant promotion. Um, Typically, 
um, studios know if a brand is stepping up with a multinational, I mean, a very, very significant global spend, they'll set up a day where they bring all partners at the same time. Because there's certain things like, you know, brands are concerned about confidentiality with their products. You can't have people traipsing around a set when what's being shot is a plot point, is secret. It's a much anticipated sequel. You need to keep it under wraps. But Mm -hmm. pretty much most people involved from talent to producers understand when you are a large promotional partner. So they'll set up a day that makes sense and let them go to set and watch where it's um, you can't just have a client show up. They need to be handled in terms of by that. I mean, just sort of escorted because Mm -hmm. they might see competitors on set. They might see there's a lot go a lot goes into the visit. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there, if it's just say a movie, um, I want to say this is kindly as possible, but a lot of it depends on the temperament of the client. Um, People need to remember that this is a place of business. And if you just happen to be sitting next to Scarlett Johansson eating French fries and she wants one, you just let her have one. But it's the same as anybody else. Just what if she's eating chicken fingers? Is that she may still one of those too? Um, but you know, I've I've seen brands, I've seen folks from agency try and talk to talent, try and get autographs. Imagine while you're in the zone at work and someone trying to take your photo. This is a job. Um, I'm going to use the term star fucker, so you just kind of know what you're rolling with. Um, you know, uh, I've had people tag in, like check in from social media from a set and you're like, what the actual fuck? Yeah. So, I've seen that happen before. Online. But I think the difference is, um, having a good agency that could prepare you, you know, mm-hmm. anytime it was me and I could have a chat with the person that I was going with, they were great. They understood like don't ask, don't tell, uh, seen and not heard, just kind of sit back, be respectful. If you need Mm -hmm. anything, have any questions, you ask me. And I have to tell you every time, you know, talent understands productions understand. And they're usually like, no, I mean, everyone understands sort of, you know, the brands here to help tell our story. And most people are super appreciative of it. Like they'll Mm -hmm. come over and say hi, but there's some clients where I'm like, we have to avoid this at all costs. Um, and then I know some brands just want to meet famous people, but all kidding aside, I I would prefer a brand just go, I I literally had one client go, Daphne, you need to understand. I need to meet Bradley Cooper. (laughs) And I'm thinking who doesn't (laughs) no straight up. Tell me like this. I have to tell you, he's been my favorite actor forever. And this is a game changer. And anytime, like we've had clients, Hey, like, uh, let's say they're internal stakeholders. Like, if you know the CEO who's always been obsessed with, why is Charlize Theron the first person I thought of? But if you're on a movie and you know if you do that introduction or if you get that signed picture, that's the difference between a tiny integration, a big integration, or a larger promotion or whatever, just tell me. And every studio and every show will sort of go, all right, let me see what I can do. Okay. But so it's, but but again, you have to remember you are at work, you need to prep your client. And I've had clients kind of not happy with their experience. Like they felt disrespected, but it's the, you just need to prepare them. Like it's, you're, you're important, but 
is there is there a difference between um, uh, large clients like Coca-Cola versus like a smaller brand? Uh, I imagine Coca-Cola would be very used to being on set and very used to dealing with the, the these high profile people, whereas uh, smaller uh, uh, product clients probably aren't and are sending people that don't quite know how to interact with with directors and movie stars is is there a noticeable difference i I think it depends because there's some people at smaller brands who started at larger brands and then there's people at larger brands who are insane so (laughs) i I see that you know having a good conversation because we want a good experience for everybody um but i just know from experience sometimes having them meet talent or whatever goes poorly (laughs) you know so but you just prepare them like, hey, you need to understand what you're working with. This is normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel more often than not, probably having them participate in a studio arranged press partner day is a good experience for less experienced people. And then I've had clients on a smaller film, like independent, roll on set, be cool as shit and roll off. And then what's kind of nice is depending on the scene, um, you know, a car is different than, you know, beer, but there's times where having that representative from the brand who has that technical expertise who could kind of help with, Hey, look, I don't want to sound like a dick, but you know, if you try, this is how you open the can, you do it this way. (laughs) You chew that shit or you just pop that pencil right into it and shotgun it. Um, but no, having the, like that technical support, like, you know, with a car, they send in a whole team who, has that kind of when you say product support yeah yeah i mean it's yeah that happens i've had that happen a lot on like more yeah technical gear and things like that that production wants to make sure they know exactly how to operate because they're going to be needing to yeah. do that on camera so yep and that goes back to what i was saying before you know when you go on set or you do these things again it's a job you better know how that prototype's going to work you better know how you get the screen not to change orientation like you better know everything about that product you're taking the set because they're relying on you you know to understand that product and it is your job to be the expert so Mm -hmm. you know going to set's always fun now similar in terms of you know it's easy to get carried away is when you need to go visit a client now i visited brands all over southern california throughout the midwest throughout the u.s um, you know, when you visit a client in Rome, Paris, London, Geneva, for me, that's my kryptonite. It's almost and, the same as visiting a client in the Midwest, right? Exactly. Like Cincinnati. Exactly. Which I love by the way. Um, no, it, it's just these cities, you know, you go, you know, you're jet lagged, you're tired. It's a short trip. Um, and you've got to have your A game, but you know, I remember one time I had to go to a convention at the move. <laughs> I'm like, how is this even, how is this even a thing? So for me, I always approached it from gratitude and appreciation, no matter how tough the circumstances were. It didn't occur to me it was tough until later reflecting on it because the opportunity to see and visit and do the things I've done, I mean, it definitely supersedes any kind of hiccup, Um, especially when you're at client headquarters and then they ask you about something that happened on set or something that went wrong. Uh, I feel a little bit <laughs> um, but you know one of the things you know Craig and I talk about having that international professional experience is rare and 
I'm very thankful that I've had the opportunity to work in very, very different cultures, you know, different cities. And that goes with our offices, you know, other Mm -hmm. than Europe, you know, you got Madrid, which is still Europe. I mean, Beijing, Bangkok, you know, I'm so blessed that I've been able to visit a lot of the other offices in our network. But it's the same thing as you go to the other offices. Are you there to party and smoke pot? I mean, okay, yeah, but you're really there you know, face-to-face with your colleagues, um, you know, you might have client meetings at the office. And again, with jet lag, food and the other issues, and then sort of accountability for past projects, you have to face these people in person. So it's still exciting, but it's exhausting. And, you know, looking at the past year, I mean... Well, especially, it's also exhausting when there's a language barrier too. (laughs) That's a good point. Cultural language... And then I have to go back to technology. My God, you know, Wi-Fi, you know, in the past year, I mean, Craig and I have been to, it's New York, Beijing, Guangzhou, Seattle, Austin, London, hell, in Jan, wait, what, two weeks? Like within a month, we were in London twice mm-hmm. yeah. in Austin. And um, again, what changes the world? Yeah. But Dealing it's, with the language barrier there, you know? <laughs> London and Austin were rough. Like that was... um. Especially, yeah, language. I wish it, what the hell? <laughs> hey, I will say this, though. Couldn't find a gas station to save my life in Austin. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so it's, you take any kind of frustration with your day, the commute, whatever, and then you just take that on the road. I mean, fatigue and, oh, my God, the struggles of getting product to set. You know, customs, things being stolen, uh, hmm. shipping delays, you know, I have to fly it, I have to ship it, and then I have to babysit it. And when you're there, you also still have to be aware of what's going on because once you're back from set, um, there's going to be some people interested in what happened. And then how do you share what happened without breaking any sort of NDA with production? Because I'm not going to mm-hmm. talk about the action of the film. I'll talk about the relevance mm-hmm. of your product. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to break client confidentiality to a production, but it's kind of like, hey, this is what happened. This is what went down. This is what I saw and this is what we should expect. Um, Oh, God. And then, you know, there's times where I remember our colleague had to go to New Orleans for a show and tell. And they just kept pushing it. He flew in for the day. A week later, he's (laughs) a product. Like, I don't know. It's tough. You know, you think time change, scheduling changes, weather delays. Because that's the other thing. Like production, you're kind of at the mercy of Mother Nature. Like if you're supposed to do this cool driving scene and decides to rain, guess what? You're shooting interiors that day. Um, in all of this, and I think the more you go to set and the more you experience these hiccups, or the more you go to the hiccups, you know, traveling for a client, it just makes you better at what you do. Because if I'm talking to a client about what to expect, it's like, hey, look, we're hoping to shoot between these days. But between weather needing doubles, the more I know about physical production, the better advisor I'm going to be to a brand. And I think the more I know about brands and their obstacles, uh, the factory closes in August, um, whatever, sort of the same kind of nuances to the brand. The more I know about that, the better I can prepare, prepare a production or a studio saying, look, we'd love to help you. They'd love to make the suitcase. But just know it's going to take three weeks from when production confirms the design. So the more you travel, it's kind of like the more you know. And I think you're just better at your job. And then having mm. experiences. Um, mm-hmm. The more yeah. glamorous it feels. That's for sure. I mean, I ain't going to lie. You know, I mean, where are you going? Oh, are you New Orleans? Where are you? Uh, Zurich. Where are you? Uh, <laughs> Guangzhou. Where are you? I don't even know where I'm at. <laughs> uh, 
I was with them when I had to fly to Germany with that one actor, the nicest guy ever. And we're sitting in the car and he goes, this is amazing. I've never been to Berlin. And I go, you still haven't. We're in Frankfurt. And he looks at me. He's like, oh, my God. And I'm like, no, nah, I feel you. And but that was schedule <laughs> was. He just looks at me like, oh, my God. You know, and it's not, you know, he wasn't on drugs. He wasn't drunk. It's just that's how crazy his life was, you know. <laughs> and that's the thing is, you know, you go on these trips. And for the most part, as I said, it's not a vacation. There's no free time. You're there to protect who pays you. That's whose interest you're protecting. So for me, it's always the client. For Craig, it would be production. And it's professional. Mm-hmm. You know, granted, you get to wear jeans or shorts or T-shirt because it's 9,000 degrees or you're standing or, or I'm sorry, or you're bundled up because you're standing in a snowdrift. But you just sort of remember it's a job. People have a job to do. Um, and like with clients, from the second you land to the second you leave is go time. And other offices, here, oh, here's the other fun part of how our travel. You work the full day wherever you're at, and then you work the full day wherever you're from. <laughs> like, it's nonstop. And again, i rather work under those conditions than most conditions any day of the week. Um, I was in Rome for work, and I legit didn't see the city until the last night. Hmm. Now, I've been to Rome before, but I was like, holy shit, I am in one of the most beautiful, amazing cities on the planet get the fuck out of here. You know, <laughs> that's crazy. You know, and for all the, it's not a complaint. Cause I still think when it comes to a profession, it's a great one. And, you know, I wouldn't change any of it for the world. You know, there's a new building in Bangkok called the Mahanakan. And I got to see it when it was under construction. So on the top, no visitors deck. So these behind the scene, the convention at the Louvre. And then I ain't going to lie. I don't even know where the hell Craig and I were in November somewhere in the middle of China, like there's also these wonderful opportunities just to see places you never would have probably been able to go mm-hmm. because you're in Guangzhou for work or, you know, you're in, mm-hmm. I don't know, pick any city in the world. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I think with everything in life, it's sort of what you make of it. Yeah. I guess in that that's part of why they call the magic of movie making, what, what audiences see as a snippet into everything that's gone into it and, what we do is just part of that behind the scenes. And so. you got to think it's a tiny part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember this one film, we had a watch and a cell phone and the amount of, you know, just effort to, you know, work those into the story. Again, it made sense for the story. And by work, I don't mean it was hard to incorporate it, but you know, making sure we had the right phones, making sure the phones could do what production needed, making sure the watch fit the actor, making sure the watch made it to the different locations, you know, and that's one, two props. You look at a film, I mean, there could be a hundred props. So, you know, the prop master, unsung hero of production, <laughs> you know, anything an actor touches, you know, and they don't have time for bullshit. You know, she or he, you know, they have their shooting schedule. And if your product's not there, if your product's broke, if your product doesn't work, you're done. Like we've talked about how, you know, like the director throws his cell phone in the scene because the other phone wasn't there. I mean, Mm -hmm. production doesn't stop. And I think that's a good lesson for brands because, you know, some of the brands we've worked for are the most well-known brands in the world. And they're used to things being on their time. And production Mm -hmm. hashtag does not give a shit they have what they have to do. And if you're not there, somebody else will be. So it's important to be there first, be there quickly and get production what they need. And then- yeah, 
I, I don't think audiences really uh, appreciate how scheduled the production has to be and how like you have so many days of shooting and so many hours and you just have to fit it all. And it always goes over, but you still have to try to fit it all. That's and there's a lot to movie making. <laughs> yep. No, a lot and- of money, a lot of money goes into movie making, so they have to stay on schedule and that's why you need to have your stuff on set if you want it to be in there or have a chance of being in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, I, 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 definitely not a complaint, but there's nothing like, I don't know, clearing customs at 3 a.m. in Argentina where you're like, uh, <laughs> where you tell customs you're pregnant so you don't have to wait in line behind the lady getting her coat hangers. <laughs> <laughs> I tried that once. It didn't work. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I know. All kinds of crazy. I don't know, Romans, anything to add? Nope. <laughs> I had a glamorous I had a glamorous time on studio. I was just visiting. I, I wasn't working. I was in college and we we got to see a, a set for for one of our classes. But it was the uh it was the day I met the you know, you got you know, you guys have your um celebrity like uh top list, right? Like your top celebrity crushes. You I mean met like my, or Matt Damon? Like, yeah, I I met the uh, I met my one and three that day, and it oh. was it was crazy. Okay. So, so I was on the Paramount lot, lot and um, this was back in like uh, 2012. So Community and Glee were both shooting. I just say who from Glee. <laughs> it was it was Leah Michelle. Leah Michelle is my number one. So Shut up. I, I had the biggest crush on her. So um, at first I met Allison Brie from community and she was super nice and took a photo with us. And I was just like, Oh my God, I'm dying. And then um, we saw the Glee uh, cast shooting and like across the way I saw Leah Michelle and I freaked out because she was my number one. And I just, I couldn't get near her. I just, I was like panicking and I just stared at her and then she stopped and she was just staring at us for a good, like, four or five minutes just staring at us and i was just like what what's going on and then she leaves and like a second later security comes and kicks us off the lot i'm like oh <laughs> lee michelle's mean okay <laughs> i guess she's not my number one anymore yeah that she, dropped, she dropped down to number seven after that <laughs> she dropped yeah but allison Bree was so nice she would ride up to number one so <laughs> I'm just laughing at her like glee. <laughs> I like, I love, I, I love musicals. Um, I just, you know, I had a big crush on her. I just, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna feel bad about that. You shouldn't. <laughs> nope. nope. No, I tell you, <laughs> it's always tough when you meet your favorites because if it's not amazing. It's kind of damaging. <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I felt really fucking weird after, after that. But Alison Breeze, she was so nice that it kind of counterbalanced it. It was because it was all within like half an hour of those two things happening. You know, what you don't know is maybe you look like Leah Michelle Stalker or something. <laughs> it could. Oh, yeah. yeah. There was all those photos that sent her. Isn't it a good sign that it took her four to five minutes to actually realize that you guys should get kicked off the lot? She was sort of contemplating that for a while. Yeah, it was was such an awkward situation. Maybe you were sketchy as fuck. Maybe. I mean, I didn't. uh, We didn't approach. We were just like. (laughs) Wait, you were there for a class, so you were escorted. (laughs) 
Well, okay. So we went for a class and then um, after we were, it was a, it was a uh, taping of like the doctors or something, some like uh, midday, like morning show. Uh, and then afterwards, my professor was like, all right, you're supposed to leave, but I'm not kicking you out. So just go wander around. So you were breaking the rules and loitering basically, on the lot. Basically. Yes. Um, so you- in the time of shooters and stalking. Um, Leah, Michelle, Thank you for keeping Paramount safe. I mean, she did, sorry, she did the right thing. Hey, hey, so, the Castle community was cool, man. Allison Brie and I met Danny Pudi, and both of them were really fucking cool. And just and they apparently the- don't care about safety. <laughs> I guess not. So, Eric, what you were saying is you were trying to get a taste of that glamorous life and realized it wasn't so glamorous after all. I, that was exactly it. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you get your heart broken. Yeah. And that's just, um, you know. Rules. And stalking. Hey, I was listening to my professor. I was being a good student. So. (sighs) We applaud you, Leah Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) In her defense, you're shady as shit, guy. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't alone. I was with my class. It wasn't just like me, like wandering around by myself. It was just. Yeah, sure. Throw your class under the bus. If you are going to loiter, walk around by yourself. You're less under the radar. Um, Anyway. So, wow. Anything else? Uh, no, you guys have had way more glamour than me working for studios and traveling to Zurich and stuff. Well, pimping ain't a part-time job. (laughs) I mean, even my kids, um, when I had to run over, I had a film shooting at Paramount and last minute I had to run product over and I had Phoebe who was like two and a half at the time. (laughs) Guess who got to go to set? And I got a great picture of her on the Paramount back lot. <laughs> it's like I had to take her with me. Oh, no, she's been to, I had to drop a watch off at, with an actor at his home. And I mentioned that he changed the time. And I'm like, I got to get my kid a daycare. And I wonder if he still regrets saying, bring her with you. <laughs> <laughs> Something that should have been five minutes. An hour later, <laughs> you're still there. She's oh no! Cars. She's like he's shown around the koi pond. She's in his desk. Oh, she what a nice person. Oh yeah, like cool. that was her first love. Like she absolutely like she came home and she's like, I have a boyfriend. My husband's like, what? <laughs> and then when I told him who it was, like we're like, ooh, parenting win. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my kids get to stumble into that, or you know when you oh yeah my god um like my friends uh, who work for music labels you know when they found out you know phoebe like justin bieber oh hey look last minute tickets are you cool um another friend um knew that phoebe like more recently why don't we you know but it's you know there's a lot of you know it must be really fun to be them but i make sure they know about the hard work and i could hear phoebe going oh off to be <laughs> cry me a river <laughs> and then hey wait now i'm wondering and i wonder why my child wants to explore a career in entertainment marketing <laughs> being it's a, a, glamour. It's a glamour. Being, being a film student and like getting that taste of glamour was so weird because like okay i was in college and i was working at a starbucks mm-hmm. but i was also doing like uh like art internships for movies uh, at the same time for just classes. And so this one movie I was being an art intern for had um, Selena Gomez in it. She was one of the stars. 
And so I was telling one of my customers about this and the, the customer's daughter was like, can you get me an autograph from Leah Michelle? And I was just like, in my head, I'm like, Leah no. Michelle. I'm oh, sorry, not Lee Michelle. She's on my mind. Uh, Selena Gomez. Yeah. Sure, she, she's sure she's not your number one anymore. Yeah, I see it. Exactly. totally is. Yeah. So, so the daughter... <laughs> the daughter, who was like this cute seven-year-old girl, was just like, you know, can I get a, an autograph of him from Selena Gomez? And in my head, I'm like, no, I am an intern, and that's extremely unprofessional. Oh, but yeah. I didn't want to say no. So what I did was, like, I didn't ask Selena Gomez. I didn't bother her. But I ordered, like, a probably fake autograph for, like, $50 online and oh, gave I it to her. I thought you were going to say you forged her autograph and gave no, it to her. No, I ordered one that I hoped was real but could have been just a forgery. And yeah, then I gave it to her and said, "Like, yep, here you go. This is for you." You should have just done it yourself and saved fifty bucks, man. Yeah, I don't know. I was, I don't know. I was trying to be nice. I was trying to not let her down. That's sweet, though. See, no, maintain the magic. You know, one of my exactly. favorite things. Maintain the magic. I like that. Maintain the magic. Remote choke. That's your Indian name. Um, <laughs> one of the things I really enjoyed doing with Phoebe was uh, Variety would have the power of youth. And this event would be on the back lot of Paramount and Variety would recognize sort of those young power players who just sort of were cut above the rest in terms of philanthropy and sort of what their life was about. And I remember one year I was allowed to bring Phoebe. And what's great is it's everyone sort of works in entertainment. So it's just chill. There's a lot of fun things for the kids to do. And, um, we were there so Phoebe could see Justin Bieber. Now, a person who I haven't spent a lot of time talking about, but my list of things I appreciate in entertainment, Mark Wahlberg. Hmm. Um, but I never met him. <laughs> I walk into this event. I spot him like a thousand feet away. He is literally <laughs> in a crowd of like a million people on the other side of the event. Oh, hell no. In and he scene, like stared at you for four to five minutes and security escorted you out of the event? No. I walked right up to him with Phoebe and just start yakking with him because it's the kind of thing where, hey, he's a parent. His kids are there too. So we're shooting the shit. I'm like... I'm just into this conversation as my husband shoves me out of the way. <laughs> and the two of them talk for like 15 minutes about cop stuff. And I'm like, oh. get the fuck out of my Mark Wahlberg conversation. <laughs> what, what the hell was that bullshit, dude? Like, lit, like, that's a no. But anyway, so it's always kind of fun when you see, what do you want to say? Like those famous faces being parents you know or just you know it's about their kids or i don't know again another rough day at the office <laughs> <laughs> some people are accountants and i know i say that a lot but sorry accountants but i rather do whatever it is i do and i still don't know what that is <laughs> but there's glamour there is glitter by the way the glitter portrait shows up again um oh cool all right so all right, well. well, that was a long one, and thank you for listening. Glamour, yep. glamour, glamour, glamour. So, thank you for listening to another episode of Entertainment Marketing Confidential. If you have any questions, I don't know, keep them to yourself. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you can email us at info at entertainmentmarketing.com. I'm Daphne. I'm Craig. And we'll catch and you next time. What? What? <laughs> <laughs>